Christian Bible reading plan starts uh, 1st of January. You can get go ahead and start if you want to. It's all right. And if you're like me, sometimes you get really busy. And one thing that I do uh, to put the scripture inside of me is I listen to it a lot. So how many of you have a cell phone? All right. And it's not a flip phone. It actually can play things. Uh, get that Bible app if you don't have it. Play it while you're driving down the road or getting ready in the morning, if you're like me, walking the dog for an hour and a half a day, whatever. You get a lot of Bible reading in during that time. Amen? Amen. I hope you'll participate in that with us. It'll be a great opportunity. This coming year, we're going to emphasize God sightings, and we're going to be doing uh, that by looking at the Word and by looking at what God is doing in our Lives. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your compassion and love. Thank you for your word and for the beautiful music of Christmas. And thank you for the grace of Jesus Christ. Hear our prayer and speak to us through your word as you've already spoken through music. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. What do you think of when you think of Christmas? You know, a lot of people think about Santa Claus and presents wrapped and underneath the tree. A lot of people think about Christmas decorations and shopping and spending time with family or Christmas movies. How many of you have a favorite Christmas movie or two? All right, some of you do. On the count of three, I want you to shout out your favorite Christmas movie. Ready? One, two, three. I got all of those. Okay. There are a lot of Christmas movies out there from Home Alone, one, two, three, four. Santa Claus, one, two, three, four. How many of you ever watched It's a Wonderful Life? Classic. Okay, if you haven't seen it, I recommend it. How many of you have seen A Christmas Carol? I have not seen that. Everybody says I should see it. Uh, yesterday I watched uh, Christmas Vacation. Uh, I had to close my eyes during some of it. Um, not sure if I recommend it, but it was pretty funny. Um, lots of movies. You know, there's uh, The Grinch That Stole Christmas. There is uh, 50 million Hallmark movies that started back in July. What do you think of when you think of Christmas? I hope if you're a Christian... You'll think about the greatest reason for Christmas. And that is the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who was born for us, who we sang about this morning. The choir did so beautifully. But that's not really where Jesus started. Let's go back to the beginning. In John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Isn't that incredible? 
Jesus Christ, the Word, was with God from eternity past. There was never a time when Jesus Christ was not. He always has been. He always will be. He has always been God. Even from the very beginning, back before the beginning time, Jesus existed from eternity past. John starts his gospel with this simple phrase, in the beginning. Can you think of another book in the Bible that starts with these three words? Right. Genesis chapter 1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The birth of Christ was not the ultimate beginning of God's only begotten Son, but it was a beginning. It was an actual birth. It was an actual beginning. Jesus was fully God. Yet he was also fully human. Just as human as any of you sitting in this room today. Just like us, Jesus had a lot of beginnings. His birth was a beginning. His first trip to the temple was a beginning. His baptism by John was a beginning. His call to public ministry was a beginning. He understands what it's like to have a new beginning. Our lives are filled with new beginnings. When you're born, it's a new beginning. When you learn to walk, it's a new beginning. When you learn to talk, it's a new beginning. When you start school, it's a new beginning. When you learn to read and write, it's a new beginning. When you get your driver's license, it's a new beginning. When you graduate from high school, it's a new beginning. When you get your first job, it's a new beginning. When you get married, it's a really new beginning, is it not? When you have that first child, it's a new beginning. Life is filled with new beginnings, is it not? And it's wonderful to know that our God is the God of new beginnings. In fact, the Bible says when you give your life to Jesus Christ, it's called being born again. It's a new beginning. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, they're a new creation. It's a new beginning. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 23 says, God's mercies are new every morning. Every morning when you wake up, you wake up to a new beginning. Isn't that good? Doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how mightily you might think that you failed. It doesn't matter what your issue, what your struggle, what your problem is today. There is new beginning in Jesus Christ. And what better time to remember new beginnings than the Christmas season. John chapter 1 continues. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. 
Jesus was with the Father in the beginning. When God said, let there be light, Jesus was there. When God said, let us make man in our own image, Jesus was there. Charles Spurgeon, the famous preacher, said the Trinity was holding counsel. Jesus was fully involved when God spoke the universe into existence. When Jesus stepped onto the planet, he was just as much God as though he had never left heaven. Becoming just as much man as though he had never been there. The idea in verse 1 is literally, when the beginning began, the Word, Jesus Christ, was already there. There has never been a time when Jesus was not with the Father. He's not a created being like the angels or man or woman or child. Verse 4 says, in him, in Jesus was life. People all around us are looking for life. Did you know that? They're looking for it in bars, in nightclubs, in internet dating services, in drugs, in alcohol. They're even looking for it in churches. But none of those things, not even the church, can ultimately give life. There is only one who can ultimately give you life, and his name is Jesus Christ. Amen? In fact, Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. In John 10, 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. John eleven twenty five. 25, Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus Christ is offering life today. For all of you who will receive it, he is the life giver. Not only was Jesus life, John goes on to say that Jesus was the light of men. How many of you have ever been in a really dark place? You ever been there? How many of you have ever been in a cave and they turn off the lights? You cannot see your hand in front of your face. Suppose you're in a cave, they turn off the lights, and the guide says, I'm leaving, I'm going to get me some chicken nuggets at the Chick-fil-A. How many think that's fine with me? You would not be happy, would you? He wouldn't go to Chick-fil-A because he wouldn't be a Christian if he left you back there, right? Okay. I, I remember when I was maybe middle school age, my parents bought my brothers and I, I have two brothers, an older and a younger, bought us a weight set. And uh, it wasn't anything fancy, probably had 125 pounds maybe with a bench and bar and all that kind of stuff, but we would work out a little bit. But... My older brother was a prankster, and a lot of times I played along. We had a neighbor by the name of Dennis. And Dennis was kind of a, a scrawny guy and uh, a little bit naive. And one day, it's probably six or seven in the evening, it was dark outside, and we had Dennis say, hey, come down to the basement, I want to show you something about our new weight set. So Dennis comes down there and said, hey, I want to show you something, lay down on the floor. So Dennis lays down on the floor flat, completely flat. And we take the barbell with all the weights on it, about 120 pounds, 
And I get one side of the barbell, and my brother Steve gets the other side of the barbell, and we lift it up, and we set this barbell on Dennis's neck. Now, thankfully, it's not literally touching its neck. It's about two inches above his neck. The problem is it's too close to his neck for him to slide his head out. He is stuck underneath it. Then we turn off all the lights. We go upstairs, and we come back the next day. I'm kidding. We didn't stay that long. (laughs) Don't call the police, okay? We came back in five, maybe ten minutes. But he didn't like being stuck down there in the dark. None of us like being stuck in the dark, do we? That's the great thing about Jesus. He came to punch holes in the darkness. He came as the light of the world. Jesus came into a world flooded with darkness. And he offered light and hope and life and joy. And he's told us to go and share the good news. Even though Jesus was light and life, and his life was shining in the darkness, John goes on to tell us in verse 5 that even though the light of Jesus shone in the darkness, the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 10 tells us that he was in the world. Think about that. Jesus Christ, God in flesh, was actually born literally as a baby, wrapped in strips of cloth. He grew up. Think about if Jesus Christ lived in your neighborhood and he played with your kids. He probably even fell down a time or two and skinned his knees, maybe even cried. Jesus was fully human and he was living among other people. And though the world, John continues in verse 10, was made through him, the world was made through Jesus Christ, this one who was living on the earth during the first century, even though the world was made through him, still the world did not recognize him. Verse 11 tells us that Jesus came to his own, but his own received him not. Jesus came to live among his own people, the Jews, but most of the Jews didn't get it. Jesus was one of the most misunderstood men who ever lived. And the misunderstanding took place before Jesus was ever born. Think about it. When Joseph heard the news that Mary, the one he was betrothed to, was expecting a child, he wanted to end the relationship immediately. What you've got to understand about betrothal, it was more serious than our modern day engagements. The marriage had not been consummated yet, but it could only be broken, a betrothal could, by divorce. And the Bible says, Joseph wants to stop in this relationship with Mary. He wants to divorce her. He doesn't want to make a public scene out of it. He wants to end the relationship because he thinks that Mary's been messing around on him. Until the angel explains it to him. Then he understands. The innkeeper probably misunderstood. We don't know for sure if he even knew. We just know the Bible says there was no room at the end. But let's say he did. If he would have only known who Jesus was, how many of you think he would have made room in the end? 
You can have my room, right? Herod, the king, misunderstood Jesus. When he heard that the king of the Jews was to be born in Bethlehem from the Magi, he's very jealous, he's upset, he's angry. And he has all the babies in Bethlehem killed, hoping to kill this newborn king. The Pharisees misunderstood Jesus tremendously, and they wanted him dead. We understand the Pharisees and Herod misunderstanding Jesus. We don't like them very much anyway. But Jesus' own brothers misunderstood him. They did not believe until after Jesus resurrected from the grave. Jesus' own disciples misunderstood him time after time after time. In fact, one time, Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. And Peter says, in essence, no, you're not. That'll never happen. I won't let it. Peter misunderstood Jesus so greatly, Jesus was compelled to turn around and look at Peter and say, Get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the things of man, not the things of God. The disciples misunderstood Jesus. His own brothers misunderstood him. People still misunderstand Jesus. Did you know that? A lot of people think Jesus was a good teacher. A wonderful moral leader. A great man. But they do not believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to God. They think he might be one option among many, but they do not believe that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father except through him. They misunderstand. Despite all the misunderstanding, Jesus remains the most influential figure in all of history. Some 2.2 billion people profess to be Christians in our world today. Isn't that incredible? Think about it. 2.2 billion people profess to be Christians in the world today. That is incredible. But it's also really sad because there are over 7 billion people in the world today. 2.2 billion is not nearly the majority. And what might be even more sad is many of those 2.2 billion people who profess to be Christians don't really understand what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, and they're not going to go to heaven. So let me encourage you today. If you've never nailed it down, if you don't know that you've placed your faith in Jesus Christ, that you believe that he died on the cross... And he was buried and three days later he rose from the dead. And the one day he's coming back again. If you've never turned from your sin and placed your faith in Jesus Christ, I encourage you, place your faith in Jesus Christ today. He loves you. He came for you. He died for you. One day he's coming back again. And every single person who is willing to confess Jesus as their Savior who died for them, as their Lord who raised from the dead and allowed them to be Lord in charge of their lives, there is eternal life in heaven. If you've never nailed that down, be honest with God today. 
And just tell him, God, I'm not sure, but I want to be sure. Please take me to heaven one day. I believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead. I give my life to you. It's not the words that are magic so much as is the commitment of your life to Jesus Christ. But sometimes, even we who are Christians misunderstand. How many of you know life is difficult? Sometimes life just doesn't make sense. Sometimes, if you're like me, you just feel like quitting. Just won't, don't want to do it anymore. Nothing seems to be working out the way that you want it to work out. Life can be challenging and discouraging and frustrating. And sometimes, even the most dedicated followers of Jesus Christ are going to feel like giving up. But let me encourage you to understand this. No matter what you feel today, no matter what your situation, no matter what your issue, your struggle, your problem, or your need, Jesus Christ loves you. He loved you so much, he was willing to be born as a baby. Grow up and live in a normal home. Not in a palace. To be mocked and rejected and beaten and spit upon and nailed to a cross for your sin and mine. He knows what it's like to misunderstand. And know this also. That if your hope and faith and trust is in God, He is there at work, working all things together for your good and for His glory. Romans 8.28 says, if your trust and faith and hope is in Him. Romans 8.31 says, if you follow God, you can be more than a conqueror through Jesus Christ, your Lord. One scripture verse that God's put in my mind lately is Hebrews chapter 10. Where the Bible says this. Do not throw away your confidence. You will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous one will live by faith. I challenge you, I encourage you, I plead with you today as a Christian to live by faith. Even when you can't see what's going on. Even when you don't understand. Even when life does not make sense. Do what the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all of your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. I like what the prophet Habakkuk said in Habakkuk 3, 17 and following. He said, though the fig tree does not blossom, Though there be no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there be no sheep in the pen, no cattle in the stalls, yet I will trust in God my Savior. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and enables me to go on the heights. The prophet, in essence, says life is difficult. Circumstances may look like they're falling apart, but my God's not falling apart. My God knows what he's doing. If we trust in him and follow him and obey him, he can do incredible things through our lives for his glory. John continues in verse 5. The light, that's the light of Jesus, shines in the darkness. But the darkness has not understood it. It could not comprehend it. The world is never going to understand Jesus. John tells us the darkness could not comprehend 
Jesus. They did not understand him. An alternate translation, verse 5, tells us that darkness could not overcome it. The world may never understand the truth of Jesus Christ, but neither will they overcome him. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. Do you believe that? Here in chapter 1, verse 14, John tells us that Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among them. Think about it. God himself came to live on this earth in Jesus Christ. John continues, we have seen his glory. And what an amazing glory it was. John says it was the glory of the only begotten who came from the Father, full of grace, God's unmerited favor, and truth. Jesus Christ is grace. Unmerited, undeserved grace. And he is truth. The ultimate truth. This world has my truth, your truth, their truth, their truth, his truth, whatever. Jesus has the truth. He is the truth. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the best news of all is found in verse 12. Yet as many as received him, as many as received Jesus Christ, to those he gave the right, the power, the privilege to become the children of God, to all those who put their faith and trust and hope in him. Praise God, Jesus came the first time. Amen. That baby wrapped in those strips of cloth, lying in a manger. But not only did he come the first time, he's also coming back again. When he comes back again, he's not coming back as a baby. He's coming back as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He's coming back as the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Do you believe that? I close with this. David Peterson, former pastor at the First Presbyterian Church in Spokane, Washington, talks about a time when he is preparing a sermon. And his little girl came into the room and said, Dad, can we come out and play? And, and the dad said, I would love to, honey, but I'm right in the middle of this sermon and if I could have about an hour we can play then okay little girl said sure dad that's okay but when you're finished daddy I'm going to give you a great big hug he said thank you very much then she went to the door but before she left the room she turned around ran back to her dad and David Peterson says this, and I quote, Then she did a U-turn, came back, and gave me a chiropractic, bone-breaking hug, David said. Darling, you said you're going to give me a hug after I finished. She looked at her daddy and said, Daddy, I just want you to know what you have to look forward to. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, he gave us a small glimpse of what we have to look forward to in him. The first coming of Jesus Christ, just a small taste of what we have to look forward to. This Christmas season, don't, 
misunderstand. Remember that Christmas is not about you. It's not about getting presents or decorating trees or getting together with family or friends. All those things are wonderful. And I plan to do those things as well. Though my wife does most of the decorating. But Christmas, it's not about us. It's all about Him. It's all about Jesus Christ. He came to this earth for you. He died on the cross for you. He rose from the dead. One day he's coming back for you. And if you've never placed your faith in Jesus Christ, why not today? What better time than the Christmas season to give your life to Jesus Christ?